Hi friends, how are you today? My name is Bailey Sarian and today is Monday, which means it's murder, mystery, and makeup Monday. If you are new here, hi, my name is Bailey Sarian and on Mondays, I like to sit down and talk about a true crime story that's been heavy on my noggin and I do my makeup at the same time. If you're interested in true crime and you like makeup, I would highly suggest you subscribe because I'm here for you on Mondays. Today's story is annoying because it's just annoying, okay? Listen, in today's story, we're headed back out into the Midwest, okay? And we're gonna go on over to the bustling Oklahoma City in Oklahoma. That's right, yay, round of applause. Oklahoma does not play around. Their justice system is psychotic to say the least. But anyways, back to Oklahoma City. So in um, Oklahoma City, there's like a small church community, which is situated out in like a foresty area just outside the city. And this town, small little suburb town, they were about to receive quite the shock. Now, all these people that lived in this town were very wealthy, comfortable, drove nice cars, bad things didn't happen there, you know? So when something did go down, the whole town was gib-gabbing away, as they do, right? Now, one of the most valued members of this suburb area was a man named Rob Andrew, who worked as the local church deacon, or he was like a member of the church and was a church deacon. So we are starting today's story by zooming in on the night of November 20th, 2001. On this night, Rob Andrew was driving to his wife's house after work. He and his wife, Brenda, they were separated at the time and Rob was like living in his own little apartment, but they were not divorced. So you know that's probably going well. So on this night, Rob was coming over to get his and Brenda's two children because it was Thanksgiving weekend and it was his turn to like spend some time with the kids. And he was like really excited about it. Rob loved Brenda a whole ton and he really wanted the family together for the holiday. But because that can't really happen, he's just excited he gets to see his kids and have a nice weekend with them. So while Rob is driving to the family home, he's actually on his cell phone talking to one of his like really good friends. And he's telling his friend how excited he is um, to have his kids for the holiday weekend. And he's talking to him the whole way that he's driving to the house, right? So then Rob arrives to the family home, right? And he sees that the garage is open and uh, Brenda is right there. So he's like, oh, okay, whatever. Like he expected to see the kids with Brenda, you know, do the whole exchange, all that stuff. But instead, when he pulled into the garage, it's just Brenda, she was standing alone and she was standing right next to like the family van. So Rob uh, is again on the phone with his friend. He pulls into the garage and he tells his friend like, hey, um, I just got to the house. I'll call you right back, okay? Talk to you later, bye. So Rob gets out and he gets into the garage. And before he can even like ask, and a question, Brenda is like, hey, the furnace has been out, it's cold, uh, can you f help me fix the furnace? Apparently the pilot light had gone out earlier in the day and the house hadn't had any heat since, which would have really sucked because I guess it's really cold in Oklahoma in November. Never been? I hear that's true. Okay, so Rob, you know, gets out of the car, goes into the garage, is helping Brenda with this 
pilot light or whatever. So when he goes in, the garage door was still open behind them. So Rob is like crouched down. He's trying to examine the heater and he was barely taking a look inside. And then something almost unbelievable happened. Just moments after Rob had arrived, two gunmen show up at Brenda's home. Both of them had guns in hand and both of them just opened fire. Just that's how I imagine it. Just out of nowhere. They were masked, so they couldn't see who they were. But Rob really couldn't see who they were because his back was facing the open garage. So guns blazing. Rob was shot twice in the chest and Brenda was shot in the upper arm. Minutes later, Brenda, she was able to call the police and she tells them that both she and her husband had been shot by two masked men right inside their own garage. So police show up to the scene and they assumed like once they got there that they, that they would see evidence of a robbery or be able to, to determine some kind of motive, especially because this area again was like, I would say well off people, nice houses, nice cars. Everyone who lived in this neighborhood had great jobs, you know? So like naturally police are thinking, okay, this has gotta be a robbery. Yeah. So Brenda, she wasn't able to give the police any more details, especially over the phone, because she herself had been in shock they were just attacked. Brenda just kept repeating over and over again that these men shot her and her husband. I mean, she was spooked. I mean, if uh, I'd been shot and my partner had been shot, you know, you don't blame her. Unfortunately, police were never able to get Rob's side of the story because by the time police arrived to the scene, he was already dead. While there, police didn't find any evidence that would support their robbery theory and they noticed nothing was taken from the garage. Uh, Rob, he still had his wallet in his pocket, which if it's a robbery, they would take the wallet. Both cars were still there. And Brenda told the police that both of the gunmen, they ran off after they shot and attacked them, which told police officers that these attackers, they did not come for anything inside the house. So what the fuck, you know? Who is out to get them? I'm looking at my phone right now and the number of unread emails is, it's too much. It's giving me anxiety. It feels like the notification bubble is always yelling at me. It's like relax bubble. I see you, you are stressing me out. If you're like me, you're looking for any way to manage some of that anxiety. And I have just the thing for you. Audible. If you're not using Audible, you might be making your life just a little bit harder, okay? They have a rich variety of content with exclusive originals bestsellers, new releases, the list goes on. But what I recommend for you is the audiobook Don't Believe Everything You Think by Joseph Newen. It's all about how to let go of anxiety, self-doubt, self-sabotage, and any self-destructive habits you might be struggling with. No judgment here, but I personally found it to be quite helpful. Well, if that doesn't hit, I mean, there are a ton of wellness categories for you to choose from. Audible offers plenty of wellness categories like physical, mental, spiritual, and even motivational. There's sounds to soothe and stories to inspire. Don't let that notification bubble stress you out any longer and try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com makeup or text makeup to 500 500. New users can try Audible Premium Plus for free for 30 days. That's audible.com slash makeup or text makeup to 500-500. Check it out, baby. Now let's get back to today's story.
The more police looked at the scene, the only possible conclusion based off of what they found was that Rob and Brenda had been the targets of an execution style killing. Scary. Now the only question that was like still needing an answer was why? For many people, this was a really disturbing conclusion that in the safe neighborhood, you know, Rob had been basically executed in his family's home. I mean, what kind of enemies did this guy have, right? What kind of secrets? So it's time to dig into who Rob Andrew was. Now, by looking at Rob, Andrew's like backstory and everything, you could really say that like he had it all. He was extremely successful. He had a great, great high paying job. And when he settled into Oklahoma with his family, he had just taken an executive position at an advertising firm, which I hear makes like, you know, great money. Hard job, allegedly, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, he's making great money. He was extremely well-liked and respected at work and in his community, which, you know, Everyone loved him. And he was even a deacon at his local church. Every Monday, well, he was at church every Sunday. And then every Monday, they would have like a men's meeting at like six in the morning. And Rob was there every Monday morning. And he would have one-on-one -on -one sessions with different group members and just talking through some of their personal struggles. And he was just very well respected. But by far, I mean, Rob's pride and joy was his family, of course. Rob said that he fell in love with Brenda early on in their relationship. And when they first started dating, she was a senior in high school and he was a freshman in college. Brenda knew Rob's brother, his name was Tom, and she would ask about Rob every time she saw Tom at the local pool. It didn't take long for Tom to uh, tell his brother, you know, like, hey, this girl thinks you're hot. And, she, and then he's like, what? And then next thing you know, the rest is history. That's how it goes. What? You think I'm hot? Okay. Love. Ain't it fun? So the two start dating in 1982 and would end up marrying in 1984. And like I said, Rob was just smitten. And so was Brenda, I think. <laughs> I don't know, she's a weird one. This isn't super related to the story, but like when the couple had their first kid, a daughter, a little fun fact, Rob named her Tricity. Her name's Tris Tricity because I shit you not. He thought that if she ever ran for political office, her slogan would be electricity. You get it? Electricity? He was thinking ahead, you know? Not related to the story, but it was a fun detail that I was like, that's different. Thought that through. Like that, fun. Got it. And all around, it just, everyone just thought Rob was this pretty happy guy. Great guy. Many would say that Rob, by all accounts, was like a very joyous dude who loved his wife and his family. And many would describe him as like their source of strength. This guy was just someone that a lot of people really admired in their community. So when looking into his background, you're like, okay, so who hates him? You know, what about Brenda? Well, pretty much the same story with Brenda. She was born in like 1963 and she grew up pretty similar to Rob, a very religious household with a strict focus on schooling that she actually like really excelled at. She was very smart, straight A student. She belonged to like numerous clubs around campus in high school. She attended football games. Uh, she was a member of the baton twirling team. Oh. I love that. 
And people would really describe Brenda as prim, proper, polite, all the peace, and most importantly, very well-dressed. Mm. Now, growing up in school, Brenda wasn't very popular, and she was known for being very reserved and quiet, not an outgoing person. She did not go to parties. She didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She didn't do anything. She was always studying or helping someone else study, which, you know, great. I don't know. Great. She sounds cool, right? But in school, when you're the person with no friends who's studying all the time, you're considered not cool. You know, the adolescent years that don't make any damn sense, but she was not cool. She was an outsider. She was a nerd. Mm -hmm. And she was super shy and quiet. So with all this backstory, it's kind of hard to pick out like where either of these people would have made enemies. Brenda was like the model housewife and Rob was considered like a pillar in the church. They're what many people thought of when they thought of like a wholesome American family, you know, successful man, a groomed and proper woman, and then their lovely kids. It was just perfection. But we know how that goes, huh? People got secrets, man. They sure do. I get surprised every week when I do these. I'm like, wow, they got them secrets. For many people though, living this perfect life and just being perfect, it can get boring. Just as the police were looking into Rob, they were also looking into his wife, his job, his associates. And since they were so plugged into their church, and the community within the church, the police had like a huge group of people to draw testimony and evidence from because they all like to talk. And as it turns out, there was plenty to learn. I love it. I don't love it, but like, I love when people talk <laughs> and they say too much and you're like, mm, tell me more. Well, as it turned out, I mean, there was plenty to learn. The church that um, Andrews, well, both of them had belonged to, they had been whispering, chatting about Brenda for quite some time, which is how the police found out that Brenda, 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 she was having an affair. Ah, uh, bitch, that so this was not like new news to Rob. I guess he had been suspecting that she was having an affair for quite some time. Rob, he was a journal or what's the word? He liked to keep a diary. Thank you. I love a person who keeps a diary, same. Over the years, he wrote entries in his diary, noting each time that he found out Brenda was with another man. Now, apparently, okay, apparently this was a habit she got uh, like after they've been married, not even that long, I guess she just, I don't know what this bitch was thinking. So Rob was like moving around the country for work at a time, which often meant he and Brenda were not together every day. So at one point he had moved to Texas for a new job opportunity and he had left Brenda behind in Oklahoma. Now, eventually she would join him there, but this wasn't the only time that his job came before her. This happened often where Brenda was the one who would have to give up job opportunities and friends so that they could move for Rob's job, you know, chasing his success. And after time, I mean, I guess, you know, that gets old for some. 
fair, you know? And as time went on, I mean, Brenda really got over it. She was tired, okay? And when it came time for Rob to return to Oklahoma as an executive at an advertising firm, Brenda did not want to leave Texas. I couldn't find out how long she had stayed behind, but Rob left for Oklahoma in 1988, and it wasn't until December in 1990 that Brenda had their first child. So there was some space in there, which got me thinking, oh my God, I wonder if the baby was even Rob's. Yeah, I was, I don't know. She got pregnant when like, they weren't really together. Now Rob would say, like in his diaries and stuff that he wasn't just, he didn't distrust her. He loved her to death. So he went on ahead and like let her do her thing. If she wanted to stay behind, he was like, do your thing, sweetie, I support you. I'm sure it wasn't that simple, but like Rob just wanted them to be together. But now that Rob was dead, the affairs of Brenda Andrew became prime evidence and everyone had something to say about her. They sure did. You know, small town, Bible Belt, they're like, mm, I heard Miss Brenda, uh, she, she likes to eat chickens on a Tuesday. I don't know what they say, but they like to talk and I like to listen. So anyways, after Brenda came back to Oklahoma, she quit working and started a life as a stay-at-home mother. And for a brief time, it seemed like Brenda might like settle into this role, which was like really exciting to, to Rob to be a nuclear family, you know? And Brenda seemed like the, the type for it. Brenda wasn't the same when she came back to Oklahoma though. Something was different. She wasn't the person that Rob had married because she probably met someone in Texas. You know what I'm saying? So Brenda always talked about wanting to be like a stay-at-home mom and take care of the kids while the husband worked, that good old-fashioned American dream. But when she moved back to Oklahoma, she hired a nanny to watch the kids so she could like run some errands during the day, which fine, that's normal. But that nanny, her name was Jennifer, she remembered that Brenda would hire her for like the evening, you know? And then Brenda would like come downstairs and tell Jennifer that, you know, I just want to get some groceries um, and I'm, I'll am i be right back. Thank you for watching the kids. But Jennifer, the babysitter, she was like, mm -mm. when Brenda would come down the stairs, she would be wearing full on party girl attire, sequins tops, titties lifted, squished, glitter on them, hair big, full, mm, like, the babysitter was like, there's no way she's going to the grocery store looking like that. I mean, maybe she was, but was she? You know, come on, we're not dumb. We're not dumb. We're educated here on murder mystery makeup. Brenda, we are not dumb. So around the time that Brenda started like dressing differently, she also changed her hairstyle as well. And you know, bored church women, they notice that her outfit style has changed. She's dressing a little bit more like a, secure, confident woman who isn't afraid to show her bodily shape. Someone, you know. Anyways, but they were talking, they were like, I heard she dyed her hair red because one of the men she was sleeping with liked redheads. Mm-hmm, that's what I heard. Lots of theories going around. But it wasn't just when Rob was away, you know, Brenda was playing. Like there was this one time where Rob wanted to bring Brenda along to some kind of business dinner. You know, the kind of like important executive people wearing suits and ties that you go to to build relationships, cut deals, network, business people stuff. So he brings Brenda along. Now Rob, an openly religious man, he makes no bones about his faith or devotion to it. So when he shows up with Brenda, 
who is looking like she's ready for a night at the kitty cat club. Rob's business partners actually like told Rob she looks like a hoochie. Yes, like in front of her too. That's really rude. That's really rude. But when it comes to like business relationships, you gotta play the game, right? So kitty cat, uh, Brenda over here, showing up like she's going out for the night, just wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good reflection of this serious businessman. They're thinking like, who's this girl? And is she gonna cause the business a problem? According to Rob's diaries, I mean, even while the two were living together, Brenda would be out buying tons of lingerie and she would purposely leave it out on like the bed for Rob to see. And this would like get his hopes up. Ooh, she got that for me. But she would never wear it for him. I guess, according to him, like she loved rubbing it in his face. And um, while I was like doing research for this and stuff, it was like, I don't understand why he put up for, with it for so long. But then again, like, I get it because a lot of people do this in relationships. They just wanna make it work. So maybe that's what he was doing because, okay, look, this is just a personal opinion and not like factual information I found, but like, it seemed like Brenda really liked to kind of taunt him with the cheating. Like he knew about it. It almost seems like it was kind of like his kink in a way. That's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, like if someone is actively cheating on you and like leaving out lingerie and like hot stuff, but not wearing it for you, wouldn't you be like, what the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. I was just thinking maybe it was his kink or something because why would he put up with that? But then again, he is a man of the church and he has to do like, you know, what the church, he doesn't want, I don't know. <laughs> he wants to be an example for the church. So I can understand that part. Taunting him? Mm -mm. Brenda was just a real big old bitch. Look, I'm sorry I said it, but she was. Which brings us to James Pavot. Hello, James. Who's James Pavat? Let me tell you. Okay, great. James Pavat was another member of the church community and he even went to the same church as Brenda and Rob. And he was even a deacon, just like Rob. And then on the side, or I think his main job was like insurance policies and stuff, life insurance and whatnot. So when Rob wasn't around at the church, Brenda would often be found getting all cozy next to James. Brenda and James were quite comfortable with one another, so much so it made members of their church start feeling like something bigger was going on between them. You think? They were just a little, you know, they were too close. Many of them said that they were practically attached at the hip and would fawn over each other at church. And eventually it became so obvious to everybody that they were having an affair that members of the church asked both Brenda and James to step down from their positions as Sunday school teachers. Yeah, they were Sunday school teachers. Conflict of interest, I guess. I'm not sure the reasoning. <laughs> Anyways, it was so well known how close the two of them had gotten that by the time police came asking questions to the church members, oh, they had plenty to say. They're like, my turn, great. Um, Yes, I've been waiting. So on day one, I noticed... <laughs> What's even more wild is that while Rob and Brenda were still married, Brenda, 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 Brenda. She took a vacation with James. Now this one like got me because I could not figure out what. Look, Brenda and James, they took a vacation together and Brenda brought the kids with them, Rob's kids. Uh, it's very bizarre. Literally, they took a family vacation and they have tons of pictures of all the whole family, not, not Rob, but James, the kids and Brenda. Tons of pictures of them eating together, laughing. Oh, it looked like such a fun vacation. 
I mean, if you didn't know Brenda was married to Rob, you'd assume from the pictures that that was her husband and the kids they had. It's just weird. Like, I could not figure out, did Rob know? He had to know, right? I don't know. Bringing her kids into this? <sighs> Hi, just give me one second. I'm trying to figure out this crossword puzzle on the back of my cereal box. Hmm. Rainbow, that's the word. Let me write that, mm-hmm, there it is. Remember how fun breakfast used to be? Saturday morning cartoons, pajamas, games on your cereal box. Then we became adults and uh, we lost that joy. Well, guess what? You can recapture that spark with Magic Spoon. Listen, friends, Magic Spoon is a freaking game changer. They offer a full line of high protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and even soy-free cereals, all with zero grams of sugar. Wizards over there, I tell ya. I'm talking they got like 13 to 14 grams of protein, four to five grams of net carbs, and just 140 calories per serving. It's delicious breakfast cereal without any of that guilt, you know? Now listen, they have this amazing variety pack you can get right now with flavors like fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and one of my favorites, cocoa. Uh, uh, uh. Listen, my favorite part, the chocolatey milk. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Uh. So go ahead, have cereal for dinner. You deserve it because we got Magic Spoon out here reinventing our childhood. Go to magicspoon.com makeup to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code makeup at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com makeup and use the code makeup to save $5. A big thank you to Magic Spoon for partnering with me on today's episode. Now, let me get back to my cereal. Now, we don't know how close Rob and uh, James were, but what we do know is that the two of them took a hunting trip together kind of strange for people who don't know each other, huh? And on top of that, get this, James sold Rob a life insurance policy because that was his job, right? So Rob signs a life insurance policy with a payout of $800,000. Yeah, yeah. Now, while all of this was happening in their marriage, Rob did eventually become a bit more suspicious of Miss Brenda. On October 26, 2001, Rob made a phone call to the police. You see what had happened? He reported that he was backing out of the garage and he noticed that his brakes, they weren't working like they were supposed to. So he goes to a mechanic and they lift the car up and they see that the brake lines on his car were cut which would have been a death sentence had he not found out until he was on the road. Allegedly, Rob was a pretty fast driver. Um, he liked to go fast and that probably would have killed him, you know? Now, Rob knew something was up because when he called the police to report that his brake lines were cut, he literally says on the 911 call that it seemed like someone was attempting to murder him. He says this on the call. He's like, that seems like attempted murder, right? Uh, yes, Rob. 
Yes, it does. Now, I don't know why it like wasn't taken more seriously. Like they didn't get like a full statement from him or anything. Like why didn't police come out and like figure out who did this? Maybe Rob didn't want that to happen. Either way, he he knew something was fishy, but it seems like he just didn't want to like call out his wife. He was loyal to her. It's really sad because she was not to him, allegedly. Now get this funky shit that happens next. So Rob's at the car shop, right? He's waiting for his brakes to be done. He gets a phone call from an anonymous caller. Now, whoever's on the other end tells Rob that Brenda is in the hospital. She had a catastrophic car accident where she was involved in one, right? The caller said that she was in really bad condition. She was in bad shape. They didn't know how long she had and that he needed to get there right away. When you get a phone call like that, I mean, you're gonna start panicking. But for some reason, Rob, not for some reason, he knew something was going down, but he was really smart because I would have never thought to do this. Rob decided to call the hospital where the caller said Brenda was at. He hangs up, Brenda's in bad condition. He decides to call the hospital and he's like, hey, I just got a phone call that, you know, my wife is there. I just want to make sure, blah, blah. The hospital tells Rob that there was no one there with that name. Ooh. Honestly, that was smart, right? I don't know if I would have done that. I would have just believed him, be like, oh my God, I have to get there right away and like go. But it was clear to Rob, whoever was making this phone call was obviously trying to scare him and make him get in his car to drive to this hospital, which was like 30 minutes away. And if he was speeding because, you know, she's good, she's got to get, he's got to get there and his brakes were cut, it would have been fatal. It would have probably led to his death. Now, this was a clear attempt to him that, you know, Someone was out to get him. And this person wanted Rob to get into an accident. So this is when Rob really starts putting the pieces together. And he's like, well, who the hell would wanna hurt me? Who would benefit from my death? You know, Rob could only think of two people, Brenda and James. Rob wasn't stupid. I mean, he found Brenda sleeping around before. Remember his diary was full of instances of him finding Brenda alone with another man, or uh, he would like hear from friends that uh, they saw Brenda with, with another man one night when he wasn't there. You know, they, everyone had something to say. But Rob even knew. He knew. But it's so sad because even though he knew, he was still determined to make it work between him and Brenda, especially for the kids. He just wanted to be a happy family. And you look, at the end of the day, Rob was not going anywhere without his kids. Mm -mm. He was not going to just leave them with Brenda and whatever shenanigans she was up to. Before Rob died... He figured out what was really going on with Brenda and James. And again, they were not quiet about it. And Rob tells Brenda, look, you have to break it off. And that's it. He just said, you have to break it off. That was his approach. No ultimatum. He was just like, look, you have to stop cheating. You have to break it off with that guy. And that was his approach on solving this marital, marital disagreement. I can't but many of Rob's friends and the church members would say that they never saw Rob ever get like mad at Brenda for any of this. Uh, they never saw him get mad at Brenda for much of anything. And even if he did, I mean, he hit it very, very well. So um, yeah. So he's like, break up with him. You need to. You know, most ultimatums are like, break up with him or else. But there was no or else. It was just break up with him. Okay. Things. 
Now, when he tells this to Brenda, I mean, of course, she's not interested in what he has to say. Whatever she saw in him when they first got married, when they were young and in love, I mean, that shit was gone. It was long gone now. She was like, okay, sweetie, sure. Like, why be married, Brenda? There was a friend of Rob's who had testified in court who said right before the situation went down, Brenda had asked Rob to stop saying, I love you. She asked him to stop saying that to her because it made her feel uncomfortable. A great sign of a happy marriage, I'd say. Instead of trying to patch things up with her husband, instead, Brenda files for divorce. Yeah, I was like, okay, good. Stepping in the right place. I mean, that's a good, that's good divorce. You should probably do that, you know? Well, I guess at this point, Rob is really thinking ahead. The first thing that's on his mind is that life insurance policy. Uh, something is telling him like something's up, right? So Rob decides to change the insurance policy. He takes Brenda's name off of it and puts the policy under his brother's name. That way, no matter what happened to him, if anything, Rob's brother, Tom, would be able to use that money to take care of Rob's kids. Very responsible, very smart. Or at least like that's what he wanted to happen. You see what happened was that Rob had changed the beneficiary of his life insurance to his brother. But after he died, the payout was still set up to go to Brenda. How was that possible? Well, quite easy actually. <laughs> see Brenda, she had a man on the inside. James, oh yeah, he sold Rob the policy to begin with. And if Brenda wanted to make sure that she was going to receive this payout from Rob's insurance in case he died, all James would need is a forged signature from Rob to move the payout back to Brenda. Now this was the key piece of evidence the police were looking for. The police get the um, life insurance policy. They're examining it. They even consulted a handwriting expert who was able to identify a significant difference between Rob's signature on the documents, but also they look at documents over the past 10 years that Rob has signed to make sure and verify that these two are the same, right? We love that. Now, Rob, Rob would add like this, it's called an, an ichthys, to his signature. So you know that Jesus fish? It's a squiggle, if you don't know what, what I'm talking about. Anyways, Rob, he would put that little squiggle fish uh, right under his signature. So he added this little swish. Now, Rob's signature on the insurance papers did not have the little swish. So the chances it was forgery skyrocketed for investigators. Hello. Now the pieces are beginning to come together for investigators, right? Except as suspicious as Brenda was, I mean, she was shot too, wasn't she? Why was she shot? There's always a reason. Because you bitches are just messy. So while police were looking into the personal lives of Rob and Brenda Andrew, they were also pouring over the garage where the two of them had been shot. Now there were at least three gunshots, but police only found two bullet casings, one from a 22 caliber revolver and one from a shotgun. So there were two shooters. Now they determined that the shotgun was what was used to kill Rob and um, Brenda's injury was from the revolver. Two different guns, at least two different shooters. That's what police are thinking. Brenda's version was that two masked men had showed up outside their garage, shot both her and Rob right? 
Well, Brenda also said the two gunmen had done so from about 15 to 20 feet away. Makes sense, but police notice some inconsistencies with her story. Brenda, Brenda. I guess she had been wearing a blouse when she got shot and she was covered in blood because she was shot in her arm. They, you know, take in her blouse and do some investigation on it. And they find that there was not only blood, but also gunpowder on her on her blouse. <laughs> What's that about, Brenda? Gunpowder. Now, when you shoot it, when you shoot a gun, bang, it often sprays out like, okay, the bullet comes out, right? The gunpowder also sprays out alongside the bullet. And when it leaves the barrel, gunpowder kind of comes out with it, right? So because of how much gunpowder they found on uh, Brenda's sleeve, police figured that Brenda's estimate of 15 to 20 feet away was actually eh, way off. They said that the gunpowder present on her clothes meant that the gun was more likely to have been fired at a distance of about two inches. That's close. So the killer or killers would have been like right on top of her. Very close. So, I mean, she should have gotten a good look at this person, right? She swore up and down. She didn't know anything about the killers. But, girl, two inches? Come on. Hmm. Very interesting information, Brenda. Brenda, Brenda, Brenda. There was no evidence of either shooter except for the bullet casings. And we know nothing was stolen or anything like that. So police were pretty puzzled as to what these supposed shooters were here for and why they were, I don't know, seemingly so specific about where Brenda was shot. Well, the mystery around all this soon vanished because Brenda's next door neighbor, her name's Judy, love Judy, because she comes home from a vacation with her husband. And when she got home, she starts unpacking. I know, she's one of those people. I usually just leave it there for a while and circle back in about a month or two to unpack. But she's doing it right away, good for her. That's when she notices that the shoe rack in her closet was missing. And she's like, that's weird. I know I left it there. Later, Judy actually finds the broken um, shoe rack under her bed. She's like, what the fuck, you know? That's when she starts like checking around the house. And she's trying to figure out like, was something stolen? Did something break in? Whatever. So Judy, the neighbor, she goes up into the attic. These people are wild. They're doing all sorts of things I would never think to do. <laughs> but she goes up to into the attic and that's where she finds some loose bullets, like full bullets. They were in her attic and they were not hers. They're just rolling around on the floor. So she's like, what the fuck? And what kind of bullets you ask? Well, wouldn't you know it? 22 caliber. Is it an S? Calibers? Caliber? Whatever. So, bullets on the ground, 22 caliber. Uh, that's weird. There was no sign of fourth century and nothing was stolen inside Judy the neighbor's house, but it was clear that somebody had broken in, which led police to suspect that whoever it was most likely had a key. Like, um, for example, maybe a trustworthy neighbor. And sure enough, Judy the neighbor, uh, she had given an, uh, in case of an, an emergency key, house key, to Brenda. Brenda, you dumbass bitch. Come on, Brenda. Bringing the neighbor's house involved into this, Brenda. <sighs> Disappointed in your behavior. On top of that, police who were looking into James Pavat found that a week before Rob's death, he purchased none other than a 22 caliber revolver. You messy, messy 
All this in mind, the police focus their case on Brenda and James. They think that either James killed Rob and then shot Brenda to make it look like an attack, or he had somehow helped Brenda do it herself. Now, with the connection to Rob's life insurance and the recent purchase of the firearm, hello, police were all but certain that he was involved. All they had to do now was bring both of them into a... the police department for questioning, which actually turned out to be more trickier than you might think. Okay, so remember, Rob was killed in the garage on November 20th, 2001. His funeral had taken place on the 26th and police no doubt were looking to meet up with Brenda and James at the funeral just to ask them some questions, right? In fact, everyone who attended Rob's funeral was waiting for Brenda and her kids to show up, you know? I mean, how do you start a funeral without the dead man's wife and kids there, right? So they're just waiting, but they never showed up. (sighs) They never showed up. Brenda never showed up to the funeral. So Brenda's family goes to police and they're like, we think Brenda's missing. Like she didn't show up. There's no way she would skip her husband's funeral, especially with the kids. Like there's no way. So now they've got a missing person on the on the on their case, right? Now, the sad part here is that Brenda's family truly believed that Brenda was 100% not involved. There's no way she could have been involved. There's no way. She's a kind person. She straight A growing up so smart. She um was a part of the church. She loved her kids. She loved her husband. They could not believe that their daughter would do this to somebody else. So Brenda's family actually goes on, I want to say TV, but it might not have been TV. But they uh, made a statement saying that they believed Brenda was being held against her will. And they were like, Brenda, if you're out there, please like just let her come home. We miss her. And like crying out to her because they thought that this James guy most likely had kidnapped her and the kids. It's pretty brutal. So everyone's worried. Where are they? There's no way she would miss the funeral. I mean, that alone was like enough to cause a lot of worry for the family. Well, it turns out that Brenda and James had actually loaded up their car with the kids and they were well on their way to Mexico at the same exact time that Rob's funeral was being held. Talk about fucked up, man. Like she really thought she was doing something, didn't she? She was like, they'll never know. Really? You don't think they're gonna ask some questions when you don't come to the funeral? If you're gonna do this and try to act like you didn't actually commit this crime, you gotta commit to it fully. You can't just half-ass it. You can't skip town on the day of the funeral, Brenda. Police find out that the two of them had skipped town immediately. That's pretty good evidence that they are uh, most likely guilty, right? So police end up charging her, Brenda, and James with first degree murder and begin searching for the two of them. And honestly, they didn't know that they were heading to Mexico. So the police were like, we have no idea where they're at. They could be anywhere. So a month goes by, nothing. The FBI puts out a $15,000 reward for information that might lead to the capture of Brenda and James. But it wouldn't be until February 29th a leap day, that Brenda and James were finally tracked down trying to cross the border back into the United States from Mexico. Their license plate was scanned on entry and boom shakalaka, bitch Brenda, you little dirty asshole scoundrel, you, right into police custody. Dumbass bitch. I'm sorry for calling her a bitch. It's just easy, I guess. You stupid ass bitch. So, um, 
In March, the two were brought back to Oklahoma City to stand trial, but that wouldn't be for another year. When 2003 rolled around, though, it was James's trial up first. Now, this James guy is still kind of a mystery, to be honest. Like, he didn't say much. There wasn't much about him. Like, what was so interesting about him? To Brenda, like, I wanted to know. Was it that he was charming? He wasn't handsome. <laughs> well, I mean... To me, I don't know. Now for James, the jury in his case found him guilty of murder in the first degree. And it was kind of a sh surprise to me, but then again, it's Oklahoma and they are wild out there. They sentenced him to death. I was like, oh, okay, dead. He's not dead, but they sentenced him to death. I was just like, wow, okay, that was good, okay. A year after James was sentenced, it was Brenda's turn. Now, it wouldn't take long for Brenda to be found guilty of first-degree murder as well, and she was found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder. The prosecution argued that it was actually Brenda who fired the second shot at Rob after James already shot him once and knocked him to the ground. There was blood splatter on Brenda's pants that was consistent with the backsplash of shooting someone up close. Her own gunshot wound was just a distraction meant to throw the police off her trail, but not so much because she got shot in the upper arm and it's like the, the one place like you could shoot yourself and be safe. I read that. I don't know if that's a fun fact or what. It also came out that after Brenda called the police to report the crime, she gave James the neighbor's house key so that he could go over there, hide inside the house in the attic and like wait for the police to like come, do their thing, and then leave. Mm-hmm, pretty sneaky. Why you gotta involve the neighbors? They were just minding their own business. Leave Judy alone, Brenda. Leave Judy alone. So um, the jurors again agreed that she, she, she's gotta receive the death penalty, which again, seems like a lot, but when you look at the trial and who these people were, not to mention the religious community, they were all a part of, it gets even worse. The prosecution in Brenda's trial spent hours describing Brenda as a heartless and cold woman, going over in detail all of her affairs and using any testimony they could find, including some testimony from some of Rob's friends who knew about Rob and Brenda's rocky marriage, to disparage her as far as they could. And by the time the arguments were made, Brenda was painted as this vicious, sadistic, and abusive, not to mention a serial adulterer. In other words, she was a sinner and a bad one at that. And I mean, that was enough for the jury to sentence her to death. And today she and James both await execution. Yeah, they're still on death row. Brenda, Brenda, the only woman in Oklahoma on death row. Congratulations, congratulations, Brenda, you did it. Now that my friends is the story about Brenda Andrews. And poor Rob, poor, poor Rob. Now I know this is a story told so many times, just different players in this game, right? Marriage, affair, Rocky, kill them, kill the partner, the spouse for the insurance policy. How many goddamn times are we going to hear this story, right? But people still keep doing it. And I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't get it because it's like she filed for divorce. Brenda was not thinking things through. Watch, watch how, watch, watch. 
how I can solve everything for Brenda. She should have went through with a divorce, right? I think we can all agree on that too. She was married to a very wealthy, well-off man. She could have been getting those uh, monthly, what do you call those when you marry a rich daddy? Alimony checks. She could have got that monthly checks from him. She could have got uh, child support payments from him. She could have been set and she could have been dating whoever the hell she wanted. So why kill the guy? At the end of the day, the saddest part of all is that these poor kids that no one seemed to give a shit about, these poor kids not only no longer have a father, but they also have a really shitty mother on death row. How selfish. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. Look, my friends, I don't know who needs to hear this, but somebody needs to hear this. No man, no woman is worth killing for money. I'm sorry. It's just not worth it. And I'll tell you why. One, you're gonna get caught uh, with all this data, evidence. Ooh, you're gonna get caught. I'm sorry. You're not smarter than everything that's tracking us. You're not. You're going to get caught. And when you get caught, you're gonna sit your ass in jail for the rest of your life. Was it worth it? You know what will be good for you? To get a divorce and mind your own goddamn business. Bailey saves the world. I know, I know. You're welcome. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the end of this story, huh? People suck. Why do people suck? I don't know, they just do. I don't know what you could say to this other than I, I think we can all agree that it, it's sad for the kids at the end of this. Like, I hope they're doing okay. I don't look into like where the family's at. Um, I think nobody should just because they're not involved in this. So don't go stalking them or something, but um, yeah, I hope they're doing okay. Anyways, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You make good choices. Don't be a dumb Brenda bitch. And I'll be seeing you guys later. Bye.